Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Hello, everyone, and welcome to OsteoCast. Your hosts here, Sarah, Colby, and Amanda. Hello, hello. Good morning. Hope everyone's been well. So we have a question and answer podcast for you. I sent out on Instagram some questions to see what people uh, wanted to know about osteopathy, if there's anything they didn't understand, and if we could explain that a little bit better. So we're just going to go through those questions today. As always, we want to hear from you. We will take your questions. We will answer them on the podcast or reply directly back to you right away, uh, depending on the question. So feel free to send them in at any point in time. Are you guys ready? Ready. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we'll we'll kind of go easy to a bit more extensive regarding the question. So the first question we got was, what kind of care do you provide? So in a nutshell, we're a manual osteopath. So we provide hands-on manual treatment focused on finding health in the body. We provide care for acute to chronic dysfunctions in the body, uh, acute meaning something that's immediately hurting you, like a pulled muscle, a pulled neck, and then chronic meaning something that's been ongoing um, for a long period of time. So maybe it doesn't always bother you, but it's always kind of in the back of your mind as something that's not working as well as it should. Right on. So yeah, it's osteopathy. And yeah, no, so yeah, we, we provide osteopathy and just as Sarah said it's gentle manual therapy the main focus um, and one of my thoughts that I talk to my patients about regularly is that it is focused on generating health within the patient's body so when we're looking at a system we're looking at going through a process in order to see why is that body not healthy why isn't it functioning correctly and we go through our treatment process in order to restore health which includes you know, structural changes, which may be, you know, bony alignment, muscular alignment, fascial tension. It could be proper circulation, proper breathing patterns, moving patterns, et cetera. The, the focus being how can we get that patient's body to function as well as it can. Um, and something to note with that, at least, is that it's, it's always about that patient's body. So it doesn't mean that we're looking for every single patient to be perfect because you're dealing with what's in front of you. So if you have had a couple of surgeries, a couple of major injuries or accidents or broken bones, your body may never function to 100% capacity like you were, like it did when you were a young, healthy kid, but we'll do our best to help get you to the best that you can be at that point in time. Yes, really good point, Colby. And I think um, part of what Colby's talking about too is setting expectations when you come in for treatment and just being open uh, as a team, uh, practitioner and client or patient as what to expect from treatment. And, you know, if it's going to be a short process, a long process, and that does depend on your health history. Awesome. All right, next question. Hold on. Go ahead, Mandy. Um, I think what both of you said is really, um, really important and well said, but the one thing that people often ask that goes along with this is like, but how do you do that? So, I mean, it's our thought process that does that. But one thing I also tell, like most patients want to know what it looks like. And one of the best ways to do that is to experience it. Um, But also we're essentially looking for motion capacity and making sure that 
mechanically things are lined up and that there's most good quality and quantity of motion right from a large scale down to a small scale throughout the whole body. Yeah. And like, I mean, I have patients all the time that describe it to their friends or family because they they try and describe it because there's not really like a solid definition of, of osteopathy and everyone else has seen other practitioners, chiro, physio, massage and other things. So I have people all the time that are like, yeah, it's kind of like a mixture of all those other, of those other professions. So it's hard to describe to a patient like what actually happens in uh, the clinical experience, but really it's hands-on work, anything from soft tissues so that could be like a long hold fascial release to um, manipulating the, the structure itself to make sure that, you know, a shoulder has its full ranges of motion. Yep. So I feel like we've kind of answered the next question now. Um, it says, how do you think about anatomy? Which um, kind of just went hand in hand with yeah, end piece Colby added. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much all the time. Like sometimes it's nightmares. Sometimes it's good dreams. <laughs> uh, happy times and sad times. <laughs> Uh, so we think about anatomy a lot. How do we think <laughs> about anatomy? I guess they're referring to um, maybe how does the osteopath see the anatomy versus, uh, you know, the other practitioners. And we look at the anatomy as a functional piece. Well, so, like, whole, right? Like this is really what sets us apart is that we're not just picking the piece where the pain is, right? But we're thinking about anatomy as a whole and how how to create that health within all those levels of tissue. Like in the first, in the early classes and first parts of osteopathy in the 1800s, like 1800s or early 1900s, they always said that the first lesson's anatomy and the last lesson's anatomy. So with osteopathy, it is all about an extreme understanding of the anatomy. And I know we were all taught this anyways, and the goal with your anatomy is to be able to look at a patient and um, with your own, just in your own brain and your own thoughts, be able to see the layers of tissue in terms of, you know, what's the skin doing? What's the fascia doing? What's the muscle doing? What's the next layer of muscle doing? Working that all the way down right into the, the nerves, arteries, veins, lymphatic, like every little component. And the purpose of having an understanding of, an, of anatomy is, I mean, obviously it can't be perfect because there's variances between people, um, but it's to have the understanding of what the tissues are doing, just as Amanda said, and what their structure is doing. And then if you understand the anatomy to that extent, then you can use manipulation or soft tissue work, whatever whatever modality you're using to affect those tissues and structures that aren't working as, as they should. And we read and respond to those tissue changes like right on the table, which also um, is super important to providing effective treatment, right? What works for one person might not work for the other. So you can't have a series of techniques that you just perform the same for every single person. But as Colby said, as you're working through those layers, you have to be able to feel what's happening, how it's responding, whether it's working, whether it's not, and then adjusting or adapting treatment to allow for those effective changes. Yeah. So like how we think about anatomy is like, that is, that is osteopathy. That's the entirety of treatment is understanding the anatomy and then using different leverages and fulcrums and movements to affect that. Cause that's essentially, that's what as an osteopathic practitioner, that's what we interact with is the anatomy. We may be able to help and make changes on other levels, whether that's deeper anatomy or maybe, you know, sometimes uh, the physiological component where if your ribs start moving better and the neurology that controls your heart and lungs and your diaphragm get better, then maybe your breathing patterns will be better. 
but it's all about the understanding of the anatomy and how we interact with it. And if you lift a leg, well, what does that leg pull on? How can you affect, you know, the sacrum or the lower back or the soft tissues or the fascia surrounding that using a leg? And you have to understand in different positions what anatomy is connected, what anatomy is being affected, what anatomy is moving in that, that time. So anatomy, like, again, like it's everything for us. Like that's all we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the start, it's the end, everything in between as well. All right. Awesome job, guys. Next question that came in is, can osteopathy help with a past back injury from a car accident? So a very uh, specific question from a listener here. Um, Presumably, if it's a past back injury, we might be thinking it's a couple years, even longer. And at the time, maybe they got a little bit of treatment, felt fine, didn't continue going for treatment. So yes, um, in a nutshell, osteopathy can help with a past back injury. Um, But really, as Colby mentioned and Amanda mentioned before, we're looking at the total health of the body. So is this back injury ongoing pain for you? If it is, we need to figure out why. So what parts of your spine aren't moving as well as they should? What muscles are creating different lines of tension, perhaps changing the way your gait is? So how you're walking, how you're moving, that's going to affect how you're loading into the low vertebrae, the lumbar vertebrae, and how that's going to change that interpretation of pain as through your body as well. Well, and prior to this, like depending on the severity of the car accident, like there's there's a series of things that has to occur before we'll even take a patient on, right? Like they have to be cleared through the medical system to make sure that there's no, like depending on how long ago this is, they have to be cleared through the, the medical system to make sure that they're capable of going through manual care. And then once that process is done, it's exactly as Sarah's just describing, we have to go through the entire system and see what's holding. Because oftentimes it's not going to be the one piece that hurts. It's going to be a, a handful of compensation or compensations because it's a, a chronic or past injury. So you're going to have layers and layers and layers of things to work through from the compensation patterns that develop with that. Yes. And all Colby means by kind of getting cleared by the medical system is that you've had like imaging done. If, you, if you're having sharp pain, make sure there's no breaks, no fractures in the spine. Um, basically, you're safe for us to put our hands on you um, yeah. and there's not going to be any further injury reoccurring. Well, like, because I've had patients, and I'm sure you guys have had the same thing where someone comes in and they've, uh, they were in an accident however long ago, a month, a year, a long time ago, but they never went to the physician for it. But now they're complaining of neck or back pain that started at the accident. It's like, well, we need to be cleared. You need to go through that process to make sure that, yeah, exactly. The imaging clears that to make sure there's nothing worse than just a little muscular pain or something going on. Yeah, no, that's such a good point, Colby. And I feel like people don't always think of that, right? Like if it's, like you said, if they're having pain a week later, they're like, well, that was a week ago and I felt fine. So it can't be from that. No, your body was in shock at the time. and (laughs) That's being aware of the red flags, right? Yeah. Well, and we don't replace your primary care physician as an osteo. So they should be your first line of defense when um, you are experiencing a new or sudden change in your health history. Um, because they're the ones that are your primary care physician. So go and get cleared, then come see us. And then what do you, how do you guys handle a situation where maybe someone doesn't have a family care physician or if they do, they really don't like going or maybe there's a very long wait list to get in to see them? At the very least, uh, if they can't get into their family physician, they can go into a walk-in clinic and 99% of the time the walk-in clinic will take care of those Kind of like upfront things. 
if they have like a comp doesn't sorry go ahead colby uh, no, I was just going to say, um, like, they can still get care at the walk-in clinic. And if they have, like, ongoing care that's needed and the walk-in clinic says, hey, you have to go to your family doctor because it's ongoing, then there's that's a different story. But uh, I think Amanda was just going to say, like, not having a family doctor doesn't mean you can't get care. Yeah. yeah. And doesn't change the fact that we still need you to be cleared. Yeah. Yeah. So there you are can definitely be as comfortable different. or as uncomfortable as you want, but for us to make sure that your health is good and we don't do anything to make you worse um, or to make sure that nothing else is going on that you're not sure about. We have to make sure that you're taken care of. And it's not about just clearing you for insurance purposes or to save our butt. It's to make sure that you're healthy enough to go through care. Cause in all honesty, sometimes people aren't healthy enough to actually have osteopathic care. They have to go through another process before they can, they can do that manual care. Yes. And again, the legal side of it, right? We have to, as much as we want to help everyone that walks through our door, we also have to be careful that we can continue to provide care for as long as we want to, basically. Yeah. Awesome job, guys. So what Such other treatments? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm your team cheerleader. What other treatments go well with osteopathy? Example, does massage therapy go well with it? I can let Colby speak to this just because he does have a massage therapist um, in his clinic and on his team. Yeah, so I think that as long as patients are getting better, that's all that matters to me. Um, we'll just speak to massage therapy and not speak to other professions at this point in time. I find um, that massage therapy is a decent adjunct to osteopathy in the nature that if someone has soft tissue or muscular work that needs to be done in particular, um, that essentially will take more time than necessary in the osteopathic room or in the osteopathic treatment, then maybe we can have them do massage therapy. And then a couple, I always give a couple days between uh, massage and osteopathic appointments just to make sure the body can calm down and adapt from trip from care. Um, but usually the purpose that I find they work they work well with is that they can essentially help do the soft tissue prep uh, so that we can go in and make the structural changes that we need to make. Um, and then all of course it all depends on the patient, right? Like there are some patients who massage therapy is not going to help them. There's some patients that their bodies are so sympathetically driven that the pressures and stuff from the massage therapy is actually going to make their body worse. So you have to be aware of who your patient is before you start sending them to all different kinds of other practitioners. And sometimes you have to postpone treatment with a massage therapist or another practitioner in order to make the changes that need to be made because that's what their body requires. So again, it's completely based on that patient and their body, but I do find that it can be helpful, especially with, um, in my case here, I have a handful of, uh, there's a basically a hockey school in town that I work with. And especially in the position with the athletic population where their bodies are constantly getting beat up. I find the massage therapy hell is helpful in reducing some of the muscular strain and whatnot before I get in there to do some more structural work. Yeah, so you use it to help make your job a little bit easier for the appropriate patients. Yeah, it makes makes the job easier, but it also allows the patient to get a better result with their osteopathic care so that they're not coming into the office, you know, seven times they're here, three times kind of thing if you can do proper prep and, and go through it that way. And when you do that, do you have them get a massage on the same day you're going to treat them? No, no. I always, for me, always a couple of days beforehand. 
because that, that way it gives their body the time to adapt and make the changes that have come from that massage. Because if you do a massage and osteopathic care in the same day, in my experience here anyways, is oftentimes it overwhelms the system and the body can't take on either of the changes. And usually they end up having some level of restriction, spasmatic style stuff that day or the day after, because their body is basically saying, what the heck did you do to me? Yeah, so a bit of over-treatment to have them both yeah. in the same day. Yeah. The one thing I like to hear you say too, and I mean, we all, I think, follow this, but for listeners, it's super important that this is totally individualized too. So mm-hmm. it's important um, that like it's not a one-size-fits-all. No. And again, guys, like it's all about the patient. Some patients, yes. Some patients, no. Some patients, like some patients love their massage therapist. And even though it's not the best thing for their physical health, it keeps their mental health good. So we'll use the massage therapist that they use because it keeps them, like helps them mentally and emotionally stay where they need to be. And it's not saying that a massage therapist or an osteo or anyone else is a, uh, you know, a psychologist or a a social worker, but sometimes that's enough to make it worthwhile. Sometimes that's all you need. And then the patient is calm for, you know, a week or two weeks for treatment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's that's... the only self-care that the patient gives themselves, right? Are those appointments that they book for themselves. So taking those things away aren't necessarily beneficial for the overall health of the body. Yeah. And again, it, like I'm going to say this 400 times, it depends because sometimes no matter how much they love their other practitioner, sometimes that practitioner has to step aside or has to take a little break and there has to be something different. And it goes the same way with us. I've had patients that like, and we've all had patients that we've just not been able to do to help. It's just how things work. And in those cases, you have to be prepared to refer or pass them off to someone else. May that be another osteo or a massage or a chiro physio, whatever else happens. But sometimes we can't change the body as we'd like to, and it just doesn't work. So we have to pass it off. Yeah. And timing's an important factor for that too, right? Sometimes it's pass them off and, you know, circle back in a couple of months and we'll see where you're at and if you respond better to treatment or just go to someone else and see if they can connect with you. Um, we talked about in school, but there is a bit of a an emotional connection to treatment. And if you, for whatever reason, if your practitioner reminds you of your ex or uh, maybe someone you've gotten into frequent altercations with, without realizing subconsciously, you won't be able to trust that person and give them your body to allow treatment to happen. Um, on a complete level. So also recognizing that too as a patient that um, might not have to do anything with the practitioner as a person, but more how they look or their mannerisms that remind you of someone that you are not fond of. Um, That's a big component of it too. So finding that balance to create the best healing environment is really important. Awesome job, guys. All right. Um, not sure about this question here. Uh, Mandy might be able to help us with it just because she does have her uh, animal osteopathy. The question was, do the chickens have large talons? Talons? Talons. Yeah, talons. talons. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Mandy. I'll let you answer and then I'll give my opinion. I'm going to go with this is like a evolutionary developmental um I don't even know. I've lost my words. Yeah. I think this is, uh, in my opinion anyways, Mandy, is I think it's perceptual. Depends what large talons are to you. What does that mean? 
if you've never seen a, an animal before with talons, then you might think that, you know, cause they do have them if they're sharper, you might think that that chicken has large ones, but comparing that to like a golden Eagle, then it's a whole other story. So it just depends on your perception and what you've had experience with. Oh, interesting. Do you agree with that, Mandy? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've never treated a chicken or an, an eagle. So, I mean, I don't really have that perception or that view. But, I mean, at the same time, <laughs> um, I don't ever really plan on treating any of those things. So That's fair. I mean, chickens were originally dinosaurs. So, I feel like that could also um, have something <laughs> to do with it. Right? Birds are dinosaurs. So... Um, maybe they have large talents, like as Colby said, as an ev- evolutionary event. That was Amanda, but yeah. Or Amanda, yeah. Sorry, guys. Well, that's what they used to fight, right? Like that's how they used to fight each other so they can, you know, breed or be the boss of the, I don't know what you call them, the pack. Yeah. Yeah, that's how they could hold their ground, right? Scare everyone away. With Anyways, big- that's enough about chicken's <laughs> talons, guys. Come on. This is an osteopathic podcast. <laughs> Uh, Thank you so much for your questions, guys. It was so fun to answer them. I will definitely kind of throw in another question period in a couple episodes or so. As always, uh, you can find us at osteocast underscore on Instagram. That's where you can send your questions. Uh, If you don't have Instagram, feel free to find us on Facebook. Or if you are listening to this, most likely you can find uh, one of our contacts to send us a question if you don't use Instagram. Uh, Do you guys have anything else you'd like to add before we close the podcast off and go start our clinic day? Nope, nope, nope. Have a good day, everybody. Take care. Awesome. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Have a good day. Bye.